Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm Alex Burr, once again joined by my co-host and good friend, J.D. Hall. J.D., how are we doing today? Good, man. I'm happy. I'm excited. It's going to be a great pod. We are not doing a curveball today for the interest of time because there is a lot to talk about. A lot, like just so much action going on in the NBA right now. So right now it is April 24th. It is Sunday night. It's about 9.30 p.m. Um, the Heat are blowing out the Hawks by 20 as we speak. And that game was pretty much over. So we, we're not going to talk about that game pretty a whole lot. We're not, probably not going to talk about some of the, We're not definitely not going to catch the end of Suns Pelicans. So as of this moment, it is 2-1 in that series. But I think... There's a lot of stuff to talk about, but let's start with the rookies, right? Let's start with the let's start with the rookie of the year. JD, you had Cade Cunningham as your rookie of the year, correct? Correct. I had Evan Mobley as my rookie of the year. We were both wrong. <laughs> Scotty Barnes wins rookie of the year in a very tight race. Cade was pretty close. Or not Cade. Um Mobley was pretty close. Cade was a distant third. But JD, I mean, are you mad that Scotty Barnes won rookie of the year at the end of the day? Hell no. I think that, as me and you said, he was on the best team at all three. And he's a huge contributor to it. So I can't be upset about that. I think I think his value actually showed more in the playoffs, to be honest, versus the regular season, just based off how the fact that he's so versatile. Like, he do pretty much everything you ask of him. So... There's no way I could be upset with that. And I have to say, I think the Raptors might have stolen another game if Scotty was healthy. I He comes back in game four, they steal game four. And I'm not saying it's because of Scotty, but his defense certainly helped. Um, it's crazy that we have so many rookies contributing to good teams right now, like Herb Jones. I don't think we're going to talk about him at all. <laughs> but what Herb Jones is doing in that, Phoenix series is just flat out special for a rookie. So I wanted to shout him out real quick. And then another item real quick is that Marcus Smart won defensive player of the year. He wasn't in my top three choices. He wasn't in JD's top three choices either. But JD, I I just got to say, I'm glad a guard won defensive player of the year because how many perimeter players have even won defensive player of the year besides like I can name Ron Artest. I think Kawhi. only like four. Run our test, Kawhi, Gary Payton. Gary Payton and Marcus and- Smart. <laughs> That's way too few. Like, I'm sorry. It's rim protection's not the end all be all. And so, JD, at least do you do you agree with me there that at least it's better that we have perimeter players actually winning the award now? Yeah, they don't get enough credit because I think guys like it's okay. Oh well. Dwight Howard, he was, I think, the last actual defensive center that was winning. And then after that, Roy Roy Hibbert, uh, Mark Gasol, and Joakim Noah. Yeah, I give them those. Those were the last two. I say those was the last two. Dwight was the last, you know, one that won it multiple years in a row. 
Outside of that, though, go Rudy Gobert. He has trashed this award because he he wins. He was winning so many seasons in a row just to get exposed in the playoffs. How is your greatest strength your weakness? It's a good question. It's a good question. I listen. I will save my Rudy Gobert thoughts for when we talk about Utah. Um, but I I knew you wouldn't pass up the opportunity to trash. Oh hell, no. Rudy Gobert. I just so, don't think he ever deserved it. Kawhi and Draymond should have won every year. Um, and then Ben Simmons, and it's long. Rudy Gobert just didn't deserve the award. I mean. Rudy had a good showing. He deserved to be in the top three this year, not defensive player of the year. I like, have a top three. <laughs> that's fair. I can see where you're coming from. Kawhi did win it twice, which I forgot. I did not think he won two in a row, but the third year that the year he didn't win, he deserved it even more than any other. Well, him and Draymond probably should have swapped years. Draymond probably should have won for 16 and then Kawhi probably should have won for 17. Yeah, but I- we're not here to parse six-year-old defensive player of the year, JD. Yeah, let's just say Rudy Gobert didn't deserve it. Uh, well, 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 I won't necessarily agree on that, but I don't, don't feel like arguing that with you right now. Yeah. So, in the interest of time, we're going to go ahead and get started on all the playoff series. And we'll talk about like any injuries that happened in those series. You know, We'll just contain it to that. So that way it'll be a little bit cleaner. We're not, we're not to like... So let's just say Chris Middleton, right? We don't have to go back and talk about Chris Middleton. We'll just be like, oh, Chris Middleton, Alex Caruso, you know, stuff like that. So let's just get started with the series everyone's everyone's loving right now, JD. It is the Wolves versus the Grizzlies, the two versus seven in the Western Ooh. Conference, which <laughs> if you'd asked me in a couple, like, in December, if this was the playoff series, I'd look forward to the most. I'd ask you if you were crazy. Um, Minnesota took game one, 130 to 117. Memphis took the next two, 124 to 96. And then 104, 95, one of the craziest games <laughs> of the last couple of years in the NBA. And then Minnesota holds Memphis off to keep the split alive. 119 to 118 in game four last night, JD. What's your... Just like overall, what's your biggest takeaway from this series so far? Um, competitiveness, man. I think it's just a bunch of guys out there competing. Everybody feel they got something to prove. It's like literally we know we got big names in this series, but it's the other guys that's just as intriguing. I mean... Hell, Desmond Bain last night, performance of the night. I don't care if they, we could talk about Cat bounce back or whatever. Desmond Bain had performance of the night. And to be honest, with that last shot that made them lose by one, if he kept his hand up, Anthony Edwards runs directly into his hand, and we could have seen the overtime. But anyway... The game before that, I mean, we could talk about Cat not not showing up, but hell, we could go into talking about Patrick Beverly, Xavier Tillman. Um, game two, 
Let me see game two. Ja, unorthodox triple-double, and freaking we watched slow-mo be an insane type player that everybody just said, you know, he come and do it. Slow-mo probably in game two had some of the greatest impact on the floor. Him and Dylan Brooks. Jaron Jackson defense was insane, but can we just say Dylan Brooks and slow-mo literally are two of the biggest pests outside of Patrick Beverly in this series? I mean, like, it's, it's fair. Like, I, I, I even got to put Vanderbilt underneath them, too, just because they take him out more to play Jamie Daniels. Dylan Brooks and Kyle Anderson is on the floor a lot. And it's like they doing it on both sides. Vanderbilt, we know, is uh he going to get his hands inside every play. Brooks and slow-mo doing it on both sides, like with or without the ball. Then game one. Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell. It's like everybody is just competing to the mess. I love it. It's been a great series from that perspective. But there's been some startlingly bad performances from the stars in this series, right? Like the top two. Top two. I mean, if you, John Morant has really. Really not been good in this series, right? He's shooting 40% from the field. He's averaging 28 and 11, right? Which is pretty good. But he's shooting 27% on threes and he's shooting almost three a game. That's too much. Take it to the cup. He, Jaron Jackson Jr. has more fouls than made field goals right now. He almost has as many blocks as made field goals, right? Which, you know, that's, that's good, right? Jaron's averaging three blocks a game. He had seven blocks in game one. But he also played 24 minutes because he fouled so many times. You know, Cat has had two brilliant games and two awful games. Ant has, you know, sandwiched two mediocre games in between his two awesome games, right? D'Angelo Russell has kind of been downright, I'm not going to say stinky. He's just been kind of bad in this series. And D'Angelo Russell, to me, I think he's improved as a player and you can see his impact in other ways other than the scoring. But it's like, Game four, game three, I'll say, was a startling trap of like, you know, the rope-a-dope strategy by Muhammad Ali, JD? Yeah. They kind of rope-a-dope the Wolves into being like, okay, Patrick Beverly is getting whatever he wants. So let's just have him take all the shots, (laughs) right? And if you're playing the Wolves, that's what you want. You want Patrick Beverly taking all the shots. And I thought that was a brilliant strategy. Like, I don't know if it was Taylor Jenkins strategy, but it's like, hey, you know, I'll take... Beverly shooting over Carl Anthony Towns, you know, having the ball at all. Right. And I thought in game four, the biggest difference was cat making decisive decisions with the ball. And I thought he was the best player in game four, him and Bain were the two best players in game four. I'll say, yeah, because cat was doing stuff with the ball. He was catching it. He was surveying the defense, making the right footwork moves and getting the ball to the open person. And JD, I thought Cat was really good in game four. And I don't know if he'll keep this up because he's had a couple spotty games. But you have to be really impressed with Cat's momentum heading back to Memphis. Yeah, I, to be honest, I'm not. Why? I think, and this is second postseason. I think we've seen... When when he has to go against a team 
over and over again. We've seen that. Cat's not that good at adjusting. Maybe because he's young, don't got that much experience. But it's been, what, um, four or five years since he last got there? He's supposed to grow as a player. He's he's seen most of these looks in the regular season from defenses. I just think if he's not seeing a new team on a night-to-night basis, we can't expect a great player. I see where you're coming from, but I really like the way he did bounce back. He had two, he had a subpar game in game two and then game three was just he awful. He was, was trash in game three, but don't get me wrong. He had a great game four, but I can't say I expect the same. I'd, I don't you know, think the momentum, fair. I don't think the momentum carry over for one. I don't think Cat going to be comfortable playing back in Memphis. The reason being, he was too excited to be back to Minnesota when he blew that lead, when they blew that lead. You you remember, we in Minnesota now. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of show he didn't like being in Memphis. Like, it's one thing being comfortable at home, but we seen top stars play comfortable on the road and didn't care. Of course they love being home because that's where they're loved. But we seen many top stars go out there and dominate on the road and be fine with that. They 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 adhere to the Bulls. I don't think Cat one of those guys. Like I you know I said I love that Cat was talking that talk this season but I don't truly believe that Cat is one of those guys that you could say is made to be a villain. He's too great of a person. Well, and luckily they have those, they have two guys like that on their team already. So he doesn't have to do that, right? Like I think D'Angelo Russell, he's been doing ice in his veins since he was at Ohio State, right? And he started in high school, actually. Exactly. So he's been doing this for like 10 years now, right? And obviously he hasn't been in the NBA for 10 years, but he's been like Pat and Russell are both seven year vets at this point. You know, Edwards to me, that's the guy. I think he could have a huge performance back in Memphis yeah. because he's not like he's not scared of anything. Sometimes it's to his own detriment, right? I think Yeah, he's too confident. It's a like, but you know, I love those type of guys. I mean, you have to love somebody who's not afraid of the moment. He like right? Anthony Edwards, the most confident player in the world. He's the most confident person in the world. Like you know how I talk about myself being just, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I think Anthony Edwards got me beat. You put us, if you put me Anthony Edwards side by side, we both talk the same and walk the same. But Anthony Edwards will tell you why he is better. I'll tell you why I think Matt's better. But Anthony Edwards would literally point out what just make his better. I'd be like, dang, you know. I don't agree with you, but you got a good argument that that's how confident he is. He will make you start to believe the stuff he say. He says like, he'd be an all-star baseball player. <laughs> exactly. And I believe him. I, I do have like, to say sometimes it's that type of confidence. He said he's the best defender in the NBA. And, you know, just because he said that I went to watch his defensive plays. I literally went back and watched three, three games in a row just to see him play defense. 
He's good when he's on the ball, but when he's off the ball, he falls asleep way like, too much. Like a days ago. Uh, but I mean, that'll come with time. You know, he's only 20, right? I'm not too concerned about his off ball defense right now. Like if this is a growing habit, like years to come, I'll be, you know, I'll be more concerned, but right now he's 20, you know, he doesn't know any better. And as they grow defensively and have a defensive identity, I think he'll, he's a bulldog, right? I think he'll be, you know, one of those guys. Just this pivot to Memphis really quick. How concerned are you about how Jaw's been playing in this series? Like, it feels like the Wolves are kind of daring everyone else to beat them. And Desmond Bain is playing great, right? Dylan Brooks is playing fine. And it just feels like the rest of the Grizzlies, not named Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson, aren't stepping up to the plate here. Am I, am I crazy for thinking that? Uh, you're not crazy, but it's one person in particular that I blame. Jaron Jackson Jr. He's been bad. I blame him 110%. Not only had, first of all, you know, I said this many, many years ago. I hate his jump shot. I don't care that it goes in. It's the ugliest form in the league right now. I'd rather watch Ben Simmons shoot jumpers than watch him. He shoots, he shoots like an elementary kid who never shot a ball before. And then on top of it, he's not making a shot right now. He's He hasn't been a good guy. And to be honest, he's supposed to be their number two overall player. They supposed to be able to lean on him. I always talk about him not rebounding. Well, now they not playing um, Stephen Adams. You supposed to lead y'all in rebounds. This is what you supposed to do. Not John Morant. Your point guard. It's different if you you doing the boxing out and all of that. You're not doing that either because you're not on the floor because you're constantly fouling. I blame I blame Jaron Jackson Jr. for everything. Well, not for everything, but I blame him that for why this series is going the way it's going. To be honest, do you, I, let me let me just ask you this: Do you believe if Jaron Jackson Jr. was playing to his capabilities, the Grizzlies win this series comfortably? I think they sweep them. Mm. I think very competitive games. Like we would tune in because every game is competitive. Take you back a couple years ago. Golden State and Portland. We watched all those games because Portland was up and they were winning every game. But the better team knew how to close it out with their talent. That's what I think this series should have been. But no, Jaron Jackson Jr. It's like I I don't know what happened. He he looks worse game by game in my opinion. Like at least Cat had a bounce back game. If Cat didn't have that game that he had game four, I would have said him and Jaron Jackson Jr. running the race to be biggest fraud. But that was just Jaron Jackson Jr. by himself. It's hard because you're right. Game one, he had seven blocks, but 
had so many fouls. And then it's just rough. 38% from the field, 31% from three, 10 points, six rebounds. I mean, there's a lot. No, there's not a lot of guys. Let me let me say that. But there's a lot of guys that can give you 10 points and six rebounds. Obviously, fewer that can give you three blocks in a game. Right. It's pretty impressive. But you remove those three blocks. And what does he do? Right. Because you're right. He doesn't grab rebounds. He's like he's kind of like Brooke Lopez, except he doesn't have any of Brooke Lopez's skills. Right. Yeah. On offense. Brooke Lopez is one of the most. I think Brooke Lopez is probably the most underrated player of his generation. Truly. And I think he has so many skills that just nobody, everyone's like, oh, he's a big glute, you know. But Brooke is just really skilled on offense. And we saw it in the Atlanta series last year. We see it all the time when Bud decides to dust him off and let him be in the post. Jerry yeah. doesn't have that. Jerry and doesn't Jer- have- Jerry can score from the post. That's the he crazy can. part. He can. He refuses to. He thinks he's a guard. Like, it's one thing how we talk about Cat being a guard. Cat is a more efficient shooter than Jaren Jackson Jr. And a better ball handler. Yes. Jared, oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nope, you're good. That I that actually feeds me into a point. It's like, you're absolutely right. Jaren has a size advantage, right? And he's put on a good amount of weight since he's been in the NBA, too. He, this isn't rookie year Jaren where he was like two... 18s stopping away. I'm pretty sure he's like 230, 240 now, right? He's put on a good amount of muscle since he's been in the league. And you got to take it down to the post, especially when, you know, Cat is fouling just as much as you are, right? Cat's exactly. been pretty awful with the fouls this series, too. But Jaron doesn't want to take it into the post because he's too scared to bang down there. And this is like, Jaron had such a good regular season this year, JD. Such a good regular season. I don't know if it's the matchup, but. It just feels like the Wolves don't respect him. And why Why should they? You know, like, if he's not going to make you pay for leaving him wide open, then why should you respect him? Like, it feels like, like, J.D., we have an argument about Miles Turner all the time, right? But in the playoffs, teams guard Miles Turner, right? They stick a man on him on the perimeter. Yeah. They don't do that with Jaron Jackson as much. Like They they're leave not him as, alone. They're not as scared of him as they are of Miles Turner. And that's the problem. And I think that they're going <laughs> to, oh man, I don't think it was a bad contract, right? Getting him for below max value and a guy who's going to be a defense player of the year. Compare his contract to Rudy Gobert's, he's a steal, right? But why would you bring up somebody I hate? Well, I'm just saying, right? Like Rudy Gobert is going to be making 50 million in a couple years. Jaren's not going to be making. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it. Save it. But I'm just saying, it's still he's now. Jaren's also super young still, right? He's only 22. And let's see, how many games has he played in the NBA? I would bet he hasn't even played. He's played 204 games, which is about give or take about two and a half seasons, right? Two and a two and a half seasons worth of games in four seasons, right? He. We'll have room to improve. The question is, will he do that? And if he does, the league should be scared. But I, I don't I just don't. It's a fair question to wonder if he will. Um, JD, in the interest of time, just really last. Do you have any last closing thoughts on this series? Who do you think? Let's finish this way. Who do you think wins this series? Of how many games? Um, Memphis and. I want to say seven, but I believe in six. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Minnesota in seven. You sound like my dad. 
<laughs> I just feel like Ant Ant's the best shot creator on the floor, right? And sometimes the shots don't go in, but he can create his shot better than anybody else on the Grizzlies can. And at the end of the day, JD, isn't that all that matters in basketball? Like <laughs> that's when it- you become a be- the best player. It's just right now, I think Ant is showing he got that ability, but to be honest, and it's settling. If he if he takes over in this series and leads them to the second round, he's a top 30 player. Easily. And all Ant needs to do is draft more. He does. He's, he's bailing them out. You're right. He settles way too much. He I mean, we saw it. Remember that game where he was trying to get to 50 against San Antonio a couple weeks ago? He shot like eight threes in a row. <laughs> he just you're, instead of just going to the rim. <laughs> he shoots way too many threes, but Listen, I, he's a special talent, and I think his shot creation can take them over the top. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll be willing to eat that. But I've seen a lot from Minnesota that I've liked. Obviously, blowing two 20-point leads in one game is absurd. But the way they bounce, a lot of teams would have folded in game four, and that would have been an easy blowout for the Grizzlies, right? If it was a lot of other teams, that culture they have there, it leads me to believe that they're in a great spot. Um, JD, I'm going to go ahead and move on to the Nets versus Celtics series. Celtics are leading 3-0. It's been a very close series overall, but still Celtics had the 3-0 advantage. Game one, they beat the Celtic or they beat the Nets 115 to 114 on a one of the craziest buzzer beaters <laughs> I can remember in a while. Just Jason Tatum doing his best ballet routine to get the layup off in the final seconds. Then you have the Celtics beating the Nets 114 to 107. And then you have the Celtics beating the Nets again in game three, one of three. JD, just your general overall thoughts from the series so far. Um, how can I say this? I think chemistry is starting to show how important it is. And another thing, trust. A lot of these guys didn't play big minutes last year or wasn't on the team. And you can tell how they hardly trust each other. Like, to me, most times it looks as if it's Bruce Brown, KD, Kyrie versus Boston. Patty Mills not getting enough minutes. And if he is, he's not getting enough shots. Goran Dragic not taking enough shots. Um, Seth Curry not taking enough shots. Drummond looks good for two minutes and then you forget he's on the floor. Oh, hell, let me just say this. Claston don't belong out there. I don't care how in moments he, he does. Claston don't belong out there. He's literally, I seen Peyton Pritchard move him out the way. Until he broke, <laughs> until he broke up, he has to, you can't play him. At least KD is strong enough to hold his own. Um, yeah, I think. And then on the flip side, Boston, that core has been together for so long. And then they went back and got two P- 
pieces that they clearly been missing in Tice and um, Horford. And I, to be honest, I just think they're on two opposite ends of it all. We got a team that hasn't really been able to play together. And we got a team that been together so long. The trust and chemistry between the two is just obvious when you look. And I think that's a great way to approach it, right? Like, and even the guy they did add who didn't play with them before, right? And Derek White. Yeah, Derek White. He fits right in. He fits in like a glove because he just, he's what they needed. They needed a backup point guard who is going to come in, play hard defense, shoot open shots. He hasn't made shots really his whole time in Boston, but that's okay because at least he'll shoot them, right? At least he's not afraid of the moment. He's going to move the ball. And I think that's so important for the Celtics team. He's a really good defender too. So you throw him out there with some of those lineups and they got Robert Williams back, JD. Robert Williams came back, played 16 minutes in game three. Yeah. He's going to play more in game four. <laughs> I listen, I'm not going to talk about Kyrie's vaccination status off the court, right? It's his choice. He can make the choice, but also his choice impacted this Nets team chemistry. Right. It's just the simple fact of the matter. They don't have defensive cohesion out there. Right. They don't. And that could have been prevented if Kyrie was there all season. And yeah, he wouldn't have played all 82 games. He would have played like 55. They would have had a general idea of how to play together. I don't. How many games did Kyrie and KD play together this year? Like 15? I think 16. (laughs) Something like that. That's not enough, man. Over the course of a 82 game season to play 16 times together, that's it's not going to get it done. And yeah, they're missing Ben Simmons right now. And I don't know how much Harden, like if Harden wasn't traded, right? I don't know how much he'd help this team. But at the end of the day, Kyrie's got to look in the mirror and have some accountability, right? Like he's gave, I'm going to look up what he said. He gave some post game comment talking about like, oh, we needed to be better <laughs> um, because and it, it was this team has been locked in together since October talking about the Celtics and we've been locked in since the all-star break. Hmm. Wonder what happened around the all-star break, Kyrie. Wonder what happened around then when you were allowed to finally play. Right. It's <laughs> it's frustrating because Kyrie and Katie are so talented. So talented, like two of the most talented players, I think, in the history of the NBA, right? But Kyrie, like, I'm not going to say what Stephen A. Smith said, right? Stephen A. Smith said he's the most unprofessional player in the league and you only can sign him to one year contracts. I think that's a terrible idea, right? It incentivizes him to leave faster, blah, 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 all that jazz. Yeah, make him feel you can't trust him. Exactly. And. I understand Stephen A's larger point, though, which is saying you can't trust Kyrie, right? And he wasn't great in Boston, for better or for worse, right? I, he got a raw deal in Boston, probably, but he, you know, made some questionable decisions there. He got jealous of the team's success with Adam in 2018. You know, I can't blame him for Cleveland because I think he saw the writing on the wall. <laughs> and also, um, LeBron did try to trade him for Paul George, so I understand why maybe he wanted to leave that situation. I'm not, I don't like to bash Kyrie because I think he's one of the most fun players, but I think he's a guy who just all his problems end up reflecting back on Kyrie, right? 
what's the old saying, JD? You point one finger out, you got four pointing back at yourself. Yeah. And I, I don't think Kyrie realizes that because it's just, it seems like all his problems are Kyrie related. <laughs> am, I, am I crazy, JD? Just That's my question. No, I think you got a fair point. I mean, for the most part, that is what usually happens and everybody speak on that. I just, I don't know, for me, I think a huge thing with the Kyrie situation is because of the kind of person he is, people go the extra mile just to say it's his fault. It doesn't matter if I, to be completely honest, I don't put the blame on Kyrie. We had a game where he showed up. True. That's true. Oh, I'm not 100% blaming this series on Kyrie. I'm blaming the defensive chemistry. The chemistry issues are Kyrie's fault. But this series? <laughs> yeah, but not just Kyrie's, though. Mm-hmm. I blame, I mean, they made trades. And this not the same next team that was together last year. I mean, hell, he not even playing some of the guys that could make a difference. There is no way last night was Blake Griffin first game. And Blake Griffin looked good. I would not play Claxton versus Boston. You can't. I mean, <laughs> I mean even like, come on now. There is no way in this series Claxton plays more than Blake. And it's like, or hell, we heard all, we seen Aldridge as a starter. Aldridge has it touched the floor. There's no way I'm not putting, hell, we know on the defensive end we going to get cooked, right? What was they thing last year? Score, score with us. Al Horford can get away with guarding Claston. Tice can get away with guarding Claston. Aldridge going to make him work. We seen last night, Blake Griffin made whoever that was guarding him work. He went at Robert Williams. He went at Al Hoover. He went at Daniel Tice. Aldridge is the most skilled center on that team. They're not playing him. With, even with Andre Drummond. We seen when they went to Andre Drummond the first two games, he actually scored. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care that classic can run the floor. That's the only thing he bringing. He's terrible in this series. And Boston is having fun every time he touched the floor. They literally Patty Mills is stronger than Claston. Everybody, Steve Nash is probably still stronger than Claston. You don't play somebody versus a physical team who can't move a referee. Yeah. If if Claston run into a referee, he's going to fall. <laughs> every, every other NBA player probably knock him over. You can't do that. You just can't. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, every time they see him, they say, and one. 
Well, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are doing that to everybody right now, to be clear. Like, yeah, but it's different when they're literally going after you every play. We seen Blake get a stop on Jalen Brown. We seen Blake get a stop on Jalen Brown. I'll take that one stop versus every damn play this series. They going at you, and it's either they getting a regular bucket or they getting an and one. It's or they got to dump it off and they getting an assist to another guy coming back door because KD came to come help you. It's bad. They can't play this guy. I feel that. I mean, real quick, JD, or not real quick, but I want to talk about Boston's defense. I feel like they're playing great, great defense right now. And I feel like everyone's talking about it, but I just love the way that they're on a string against the Nets, right? That's, They've made Katie's life miserable. Katie, I don't think has he had the best playoff series against of his career against the Bucks last year, right? I th- like last year he averaged thirty five points a game, was absolutely dominant, was shooting like fifty five percent from the field. This year against the Celtics, it's only three games, but he is shooting thirty six percent from the field. He has gotten to the foul line nine times a game, right? Pretty good. Um, but he still missed some free throws, which is weird for Katie. It just feels like he's had 17 turnovers, which is about six a game. <laughs> it feels like the Celtics are doing a great job of contesting from the side. It feels like they're doing a good job of bumping him off his spots. They're doing a good job of bribing the referees and not calling fouls. JD, how have you liked the Celtics game playing against the KD this series? Everything they doing great. I think the referees haven't been, but Boston doing everything great. Kudos to them. The referees have been at all time like terrible, terrible right this playoffs. Like this is legit. We're legitimately in a refereeing crisis. Like this is <laughs> one of the worst. Like this is probably worse than Donaghy. Maybe okay. Maybe not that bad. Shit, but it feel like it. It feels that bad, but. Jay, have you seen anything specific in Boston's defense? Like, aside from the fouling, have you seen anything in Boston's defense that has helped them slow down Katie and Kyrie? Just the aggression. It's like they coming out there. I mean, they after like ball house. They reaching every chance they get. They bumping it to them. They pushing them. They is literally they just being ultra aggressive. Instead of you wouldn't believe that. They're playing defense. They're more, they're the ones doing the offensive acts. They're guarding. Instead Katie. of instead of Katie and Kyrie going at them, they going at them. It's a, it's a remarkable sight to see. And you brought up the ball hawk thing. And I think it's a perfect comparison. I don't think anyone's made. They're shadowing Katie like he's, you know, like he's Jerry Rice, right? Like they're shadowing him. They're not letting him get open. And when he does get open, they're making his life a living hell. And I think that's really good from the Celtics. I love Jason Tatum, who I think Jason Tatum is clear after this series. I'm just comfortable saying he's a top 10 player in the NBA. Like he's killing it on offense and he's been the best defensive player in the playoffs to me so far. He's been absolutely dominant on defense. He's blocked Katie's shot, right? Who blocks Katie's shot? Nobody blocks Katie. And yeah, they're getting away with it's a lot of bumping. Another guy that does, but <laughs> he's in the Western Conference. He's currently not playing. So all right, all right. 
Now you got it. But Tatum has just been absolutely incredible these playoffs. He's realizing his potential, which is scary for the Eastern Conference and for Milwaukee in particular next round. I think they're going to have their hands full. Um, just to close, JD, have you liked what you've seen from Tatum and Brown on offense this series? Everything that I expected it to be. I expected 30 and 25 or 28 and 28. Is everything I expected it to be. They felt nobody could guard them and they acted like it. And when when they hot, they hot, man. Jason Tatum, one of the smoothest players in the league. When he hot, you can't really do much to stop that guy. Jalen Brown. One of the most aggressive guys in the league. I mean, I, we seen this kid during a sweep by Milwaukee dunk on Giannis two plays in a row and flex on Giannis as if he not losing. We know he coming with it. This is... I'm trying to think. This is, might be the best duo since Draymond and Steph. But, like, homegrown right, I'm duo. I'm not going to say that. Homegrown duo. Okay, okay. Like, I know Katie and Steph were a better duo. <laughs> but, like, I can't think of maybe the best homegrown duo, JD, since Katie and Russ. Like, these guys are going to just dominate the league. And I think they're, I think the rest of the league should be terrified, right? Because they're all, I think Jalen's 25 at this point, Jason's 24. The league should be absolutely terrified because there is nothing scarier than those two shutting you down on one end and then just yamming it in your face or finishing through contact on the other. So to wrap this series up, JD, Celtics are leading 3-0 as a reminder. Who do you got winning the series and how many games? I had Boston, you know that, but Mm -hmm. it's clearly... uh, I mean, I had Brooklyn, but it's clearly Boston winning now. Uh, I think... I don't want to say they're going to get the sweep. I think Katie and Kyrie got a little bit of pride that they can avoid that. But... If KD shoot like he did last, like if he keep the fur, they get swept. If he goes out aggressive and carry aggressive, they'll get a game. I'm going, I'm just going Celtics in four. I think if they thought they could win, they'd play Ben Simmons tomorrow, who, by the way, is allegedly healthy and was supposed to play tomorrow night, but, you know, backed out of it. I heard you, I know you had something to say on Simmons, JD. You want to go ahead and just get that out of the way? Thank you. Now, you know, last season, before the playoffs, I referred to Ben Simmons as my favorite point guard. Which, you know, that position was held by Chris Paul for many, many years. Let me just say this. It was one thing to choke in the playoffs. Okay. You wasn't the only one on the team that did that. Then he became a diva and say, I'm not going to play in Philly. Okay. Maybe some things were said you behind the scenes. You just can't forgive. We can't come back from. Okay. Then you start to sue Philly for money from early on this season. You're on another team. You're not going to give them anything. Then you say you're coming back. 
by the playoffs. Okay. They make the play in. They win. They make the playoffs. Ben Simmons come back for game one. No, okay. Maybe come back when they go back to Brooklyn. Reports say he'd be back by game four. Wake up this morning. Ben Simmons out. After practice, he felt some pain in his back. You haven't played basketball in a year. What did you do? You hurt your back proposing? What the hell has happened to your back? Because certainly you didn't get knocked out the L trying to dunk last playoffs. You passed it. What did you do? Like, come on now. You still in you still in commercials. Did squatting in the chair just pull something? I don't know what happened to him. But there's no respect there. Nobody will respect Ben Simmons after this outside of his family and loved ones. I think they was better off keeping James Hart. I said it. Wow. They was better off keeping James Hart. Wow. Ooh. I would rather take a shot down James Harden than a prime Ben Simmons who ain't playing. I, I never thought I'd hear those words from you. That's why I, I can't. I have nothing else to add. <laughs> Jazz Mavericks. <laughs> um, currently tied 2-2. Jazz won the first game, 99-93. Mavericks took the next two, 110-104, then 126-118. Then the Jazz won game four, 199. JD, this series has been really confusing. It feels like the Mavericks should have swept the Jazz, but the Jazz have won a couple close games. And how are you feeling about this series? Utah suck. They do. Utah's ass. Um, like, come on. Utah should Utah should have been a team up three one. Luke only played one game. Luke has only played one game. And let's say this. I'm a Donovan Mitchell fan. Well, I once was. But I said last season, Donovan Mitchell hate going left. You know what I realized this season? He still hates going left. Where was the improvement? He still hates to pass. Rudy Gobert is by himself. They can switch and Jalen Brunson be on Rudy Gobert. He will not pass the ball to Rudy Gobert. I've seen the same thing with Whiteside. He won't pass the ball. It's like he just looked and say, if you get three bound, go back up with it. If you don't, then, oh, well, you should have been bigger. I don't know what the hell is up with Donovan Mitchell. And when he do pass the ball, it's the same freaking pass and teams that caught on to it. So it's going to lead to a turnover. But in the playoffs, don't expect him to pass the ball. I was so shocked he passed the ball last game and Rudy Gobert got out of you. And let me say this, Rudy Gobert, you trash as hell. Um, first of all, most of your points came from the free throw line. I don't blame you because... Your teammates don't pass you the ball. But damn, if you can't get offensive rebound and go up, you suck. You you have no touch around the rim. The fact you about to be paid fifty million dollars a season, and the one thing that you're on the floor for is literally the thing that's being used against you. How the hell do you make that type of money and you're not that good? Um, I'm sorry, I just had to say that. Rudy Gobert not that good. 
Um, Maxi Kleber has outplayed him in this series. The only time that Utah's won has been when Dallas Bigs haven't shot good. Outside of that, they should have been swept. I mean, but going on the talent level with Luke out, Utah should have swept them. Well, not when Jalen Brunson is playing like Superman, JD. Because nobody could guard him. <laughs> the Jonathan Mitchell should not be referred to as a new new D Wade ever again. No, because at least D Wade played defense. Like even when D Wade was old, he still played defense. <laughs> like Mitchell and Conley and Clarkson. I couldn't come up with a worse defensive guard trio if I tried. Like I, I legitimately couldn't. And yeah, like you could be like, oh, but Donovan Mitchell, he shoots so much. He doesn't have to shoot that much. This team is full of guys who can put the ball in the bucket. Like Boyan Bogdanovich, you and I were texting earlier today, and we both agreed that Boyan's been their best scorer this series. He's been the the best player. I mean, listen, I'm never going to say Boyan Bogdanovich is the best player on the floor because that's a problem if he is. But he's been like we he's been undeniably good this series, right? I Caleb's gonna kill me when he hears this. I don't really care. Bogdanovich, Caleb just hates anybody whose name ends with Bogdanovich, apparently. I'll um, be honest. Caleb hates the European players. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but honestly, he has been the best player for Utah. I mean, it's he's the only one being double teamed. He's the only one exactly. And I was I noticed that too. And that's why I texted you that because it's like, oh yeah, he's the one who's actually being trapped in Mitchell. They're just like, okay, Donovan, you can do whatever you want. Donovan's averaging the worst 30 points a game I've ever seen, right? The most worthless. I'll say the most worthless 30 points a game I've ever seen. Is averaging 30 points a game good, JD, if you're shooting 39% from the field and 23% from three? No, because his ass can't pass either. You know how many threes he's taken? Just like the 23% is bad. He's taking me, 34 threes. That's about nine threes a game, right? Yeah, I was going to say 11. He's made eight of them, which means he's shooting two for nine from three every game. So wait, let me get this straight. Jimmy Butler got a better three-point percentage to him in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. He does. Uh, Jimmy Butler is a way better player than Donovan Mitchell, but I didn't need to be convinced of that before this series. Um, not at all. I, I did not need to be convinced of that. Um, it's just this Jazz team feels like it's destined to blow up, but hey, props to them for winning a close game. But I feel like Luca, Luca kind of came in yesterday. And I'm not saying it was bad that he came back because obviously you want your all NBA first team guy, right? To come back and play for you. But it just kind of felt like they had a formula going where Brunson and Dinwiddie were just attacking the weak links on the Utah defense. And they kind of went away from that yesterday, JD. And I feel like Luca just like they need to go back to that and say, hey, Brunson, you're cooking this series. You go ahead. Now that Luca's back, you're going to cook even more because now you're getting less defensive attention. Am I crazy for saying that? No. I think it makes a lot of sense to me personally. I think uh, we seen last game when he he still chose to drive. They got buckets. And another thing that I realized, this is what Jason Kidd got to be at better at. Just because Luka back don't mean Luka got to take every shot coming down the stretch. Yeah, Luka made some good shots. But y'all didn't win those games with Luka. Don't go away from everything that worked just because he's back. 
you complement that with how his greatness can do anything. The fact he's out there is great. He don't have to prove his greatness. That's what Luca don't have to do versus Utah. After he made those two threes over Gobert, you knew they was gonna make him. They was gonna force him to pass the ball. So what would have been a better play? Give Jalen Bronson the ball. Let him go to work and dare them to leave Luca in. Dare them to leave one of the shooters. That's when you you know, yeah, it's okay. Luca made two in a row. You know they're not finna let him put a third shot up. So you treat it as if he wasn't even there. You stick him in the corner or wherever you want and let Jalen Bronson do what stole y'all two games. That way, you're in a situation where if he does need to pass, you got Luca as the next decision maker. Come on now. I think that that's a win-win to me. It's that's just something they need to do in game five is just trust that what was getting them open shots in game one through three, they should have won game one. They should have won game four. This series should be over right now. And Maxi Kleba is shooting 60% from three. I repeat, he is shooting 60% from three. He shot 25 threes and he's missed 10 of them. (laughs) He is getting whatever he wants whenever he wants it, which is crazy to say about Maxi Kleba, right? Dallas as a whole is shooting 39% from three. Quick question. Can you say the name of the person Garn Kleba? Well, I, so, okay. This is my thing, right? I think you and I disagree about Rudy. I think he's not at fault entirely for the... Utah's breakdown on defense, right? And that's, this is actually the point I wanted to get to. He's not entirely at fault, but he definitely deserves some blame, right? He's like, Mobley's not Shaquille O'Neal on the perimeter, right? Like if you put Shaq in today's game, he would have been like cooked by everybody on the perimeter, right? Like trying to guard. But Rudy's not like Evan Mobley either. And I think some people are trying to go too far in the other direction. Like some media members are like, oh, Rudy's not the problem. He's, you know... There are so many bad perimeter defenders on the Jazz, which there are. <laughs> but Rudy gets cooked one-on-one by Jalen Brunson, and then your argument's invalid, right? There were so many times where Jalen Brunson would just dribble the ball. Like, he'd drive into the paint, dribble the ball through his legs for a step back and have a wide-open 15-footer. That's Rudy's problems on defense, right? Where he gets stretched out and he has to guard the perimeter. And, yeah, it's the Jazz's problem because they don't have guys that can cover for him on the perimeter. But... When you're being paid $35 million to be a defensive stopper, you gotta, you kind of have to do everything. And he can't – it's not – he's been great at, like, one thing, right? He's great at protecting the rim. He's great at dropping on the pick and rolls, right? He's fine at the other stuff, but when you're getting paid $35 million, you can't afford to be fine. That's kind of my – am I off base with saying that, J.D.? No, because he got to get better. <laughs> I mean, what he's like 30 years old. Do you think he will? Like, I don't think it's possible he will get better. And don't pay him that kind of money. He's not worth it. I mean, he don't score. Yeah, I only got him because he can rebound and block. If that's the case, Clint Capella should make more money than him. I was. He was great on the offensive glass yesterday. 
he yeah. was gr- he was great on the offensive glass, which is where he needs to attack, especially when he's not getting past the ball, like you were saying. I agree, he should. But when game don't cut it. Oh, he's got to be better. Like Rudy's not entirely at fault, but he needs to be like a lot better. I would like on the blame, like you know the the pie charts, Shady. You're a math teacher, you know pie charts. Um, on the blame pie chart, he gets like a twenty five percent. I think like him, Quinn Snyder, and Donovan Mitchell each get twenty five percent. Because I think Quinn Snyder is being outcoached by Jason Kidd right now. I go 35-35-30. I mean, hey, I you know, listen, I you know, I gotta actually no. I'm going 33-33-33. And then I get one percent to Michael Conley. I was gonna give it to Hassan Whiteside, but you know we can agree to disagree. Um I mean Whiteside fall under uh damn What's the coach name? Quinn Snyder. I give Mike Conley the other percent because damn, he sucked. I just the problem with the Jazz is that they tried to be the Rockets, right? This is this is my problem with Quinn Snyder. They tried to be the Rockets, right, with Harden and with you know with Capella. Harden, they they were trying to be like that Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson team, right? Mm-hmm. They the problem is is that. Donovan Mitchell is more like Eric Gordon than he is like James Harden. And Mike Conley isn't anywhere close to James Harden either. So you don't have that like guy who's creating everything who can make, create for himself and others, right? Like D'Antoni unlocked Harden in a way that Donovan Mitchell can't be unlocked, right? There's no, like he can't go left and he can't, like James Harden can go right. For whatever the criticisms of him are, he doesn't go right much anymore, but he can go right. Yeah, he went Don- right a lot uh, last game, actually. Donovan Mitchell doesn't take advantage of the whole floor. And when he does, you know, he doesn't pass it. He's looking for his own shot 100% of the time. So you can't unlock him the way that you can, you know, James Harden, right? James Harden is just a way better passer. James Harden's more like a pure point guard at this point. Yeah. So I think that's why I blame, where I blame Snyder. Um, <laughs> just to wrap this up, JD, because we still got a lot of series to go. How many? How do you see this series playing out? Right, two two. How do you see the rest of the series going? Um, Dallas and seven. I would love for them to win it in six, though. But you think Utah takes the game in Utah? Yeah, it's fair. Utah won't won't lead this series. <laughs> I can get with that. They'll keep tying it. Well, I mean, they did lead the series, but they won't lead it from now on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they should have fucking swept them. They should have. It's so embarrassing. And Quinn Snyder, enjoy being in Charlotte next year because that's your... Oh, that's a piece of news we forgot. James Brago is fired by the Hornets, but we're, we're already too far into this to discuss that. Shout out to... What a horrible firing by... MJ. Um, <laughs> JD, you ready to move on to Bulls Bucks? Yeah. So this is kind of a not fun series in a lot of aspects. So the Bucks are leading three to one right now. It has not been uh, great. So the first game, the Bulls lost 93 to 86. Second game, Bulls won 114 to 110. And then the Bucks handled business in games three and four, 111 to 81 and 119 to 95. Um, JD, things were looking promising after the first two games. What happened? <laughs> Stop making shots, man. 
that's that's really the only thing I could say. Like, we just can't make a damn a damn shot. Like, it's a struggle. They doubling Zach and um, Demar. Vooch has been putting up numbers, but Vooch settled for the three too much. Then it's like Patrick Williams don't know when to be aggressive or not yet. Um, and we miss Lonzo. We not getting the easy buckets. We not we not able to play as free. We don't got somebody on the floor at all times that we could say. We know our fourth option is a not damn three point shooter. Like with Lonzo, it don't matter if him and Pat like our original star five, Patrick Williams, Zach Levine, uh, Demar, Zoe, and Vooch. We know Demar, Levine, and Vooch top three. We knew with those other two guys, Patrick Williams can score at three levels. It's more of his confidence. With Zoe, we know Zoe can create a shot for anybody, and it's knocking them down for itself. We don't have that anymore. Caruso is not the score that Zoe can be. Great passer. And he's doing a lot for us on defense, but at the same time, we need him and Zoe. Zoe one of our top. I don't think Drew Holiday kills Zoe the way he's killing everybody else. I, mean, I think I think that's what what it is. And I think with Milwaukee, they realize with losing Middleton, they just gotta come out and play balls to the wall. And Bobby Portis is I'ma say it, the last two games, because of the way he started out has been a huge reason why we, why the Bulls have came out on the short end. He's Bobby Porter's been starting off so hot where everybody else game just opened up because he drawing so much attention. <laughs> Last game, 18 and 16, he was the best player on the floor. This game, he started out making like 11, scoring 11 points straight. Yeah, Giannis had the great overall game, but it didn't start off that way. Giannis finished. The, I didn't watch the Bucks game today, but Giannis finished with 32, 17, and 7, two blocks. I mean, the Bucks are just hard to beat when their role players are making shots, right? Yeah, and another thing. Punk-ass Grayson Allen be killing us. Oh, I mean, 27 I points today. Him. 27 points. I mean, listen, he's when he's making his threes, he's great, but or not great. When he's making his threes, he's fine. I wouldn't bet on him making six threes again this whole playoffs. I I just wouldn't bet on it. But when Drew plays like this, when Drew has 26 points, seven assists with like, really, that's all you need to know about the Bucks. If Drew is making his shots, they're probably going to win because he's been so inconsistent through the last two years. And I know he was the best defensive player in last. I I think it's not controversial to say, J.D., he was the best defensive player in last year's playoffs. I think he killed it. 
on the defensive end and he was really bad on offense. So when he gives you that extra boost on offense, which they're going to need without Middleton, because Middleton's going to be reevaluated in two weeks with the MCL sprain, which is scary <laughs> because what if he comes back and he tears it right? Then you remove any chance of a title window the, the year after that. So I wish Lonzo was healthy. I really wish Lonzo was healthy because I think the bulls, <laughs> Could have made this a series. I have to say the Bucks' effort in game one and two was atrocious. Yeah, they, they thought they was just going to walk through us. Yeah, and I'm, you know, maybe Middleton going out was the kick in the ass they needed. But that still shouldn't be what you need. I'm very concerned about Milwaukee right now, and I know I've been very pro-Milwaukee all year. But I just, I wish they played more. With driving determination than they have yeah, the first with urgency. Like, the first two games. And obviously the last two games they have, but it's like you can't have any games against that, like against Boston. Yeah, they right? start next season like that, next series like this, Boston smoker. Yeah. So you need to come out strong, right? You need to have Giannis to have 32, 17, and 7 in game one, right? And I think that the Bucks just need to give 100% effort. They need to put the pedal to the metal, and it's it's fair to question if they will or not. I think it's a completely fair question because they haven't been known to do that all the time. So yeah. um, I want to shout out what you were saying about Vooch. Vooch needs to go inside more. Game one, he was punking them inside, which I d- wouldn't expect to say. Bully Dill. Bullied them. In game two, obviously, DeMar went off, but Booch was good in game two. Like, they were a lot better. The Bulls were a lot better in Milwaukee than they were in Chicago, which I don't understand. Um, But Vooch just needs to take it inside more. I understand he needs to be behind the three-point line, but he can put the ball on the floor. (laughs) Like, does he know that's an option? He's probably not going to get a strip from him every time, right? He He won't get a strip with Brooke on him anyway. Exactly. Don't Brooke, bend down. Brooke's going to try to block it, not which you can just get him with a pump fake. I, I don't know. It just feels like the Bulls have had too many things go wrong this year. They've had a great season, right? I just I feel like their season's done. Any other thoughts on this series, J.D., before we move on? Bulls and seven. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I'm done. I don't got nothing to say about them. Uh, but I don't want to say Bucks and five because I, I thought it was going to be Bucks and six after Middleton went down. But after today, I thought we could have won because of Middleton went down. Yeah, I thought so too. With how competitive the first two games were, I say you know it. The Bulls can steal this series. <laughs> you thought so, but nah, that's dead. It's not meant to be. Rest in peace, Bulls season. Hey, they got a bright off season ahead of them though. So shout out to the Bulls. Um. Let's go ahead and move on to the Pelicans versus the Suns. It is 1-2, uh, or 2-1, Phoenix's way. Phoenix won game one, 110-99. New Orleans won game two, 125-114. And then Phoenix won game three, 114-111. Obviously, a huge injury happened in this series. Devin Booker hurt. <laughs> he had a... What did he hurt? I'm sorry. I should have been more prepared. But Devin Booker got hurt. He's going to miss a couple of weeks. And JD, I feel like the Booker injury is just massive for the Suns because oh yeah, they lost their best shot creator. They barely beat the Pelicans last game. 
How, what just what's your overall vibe on this series? Uh, boring. <laughs> I really don't care to watch this series. I just do because it's basketball. Um, let me say this: it's been a very skilled series. Like skills make up the best parts of each team. Like, which is a great thing. I mean, I think that's part of why the Memphis and Minnesota is so cool to watch because we came in thinking about the excitement from the athleticism and it just turned into a match each other's skill for skill. Oh, Joff finna go get an insane layup or a crazy pass. D-Lo trying a crazy pass or Ant coming down with a insane. You know, it's like match for match. With this series, the first game, I mean, we knew Chris Paul came out with Chris Paul. But at the same time, we could say CJ and B.I. is just as much of a problem as Chris Paul and Book. And to be honest, a lot of people, me and Caleb was going back and forth about this. He asked, was Aiden top three center? No. Top five? I still say no. I don't have Aiden top five. I think Valentino is better than Aiden. I don't agree, but... <laughs> hey, that's fine. I'll take Val. I'll take Val. Val can score without a point guard setting him up. Over and over and over. DeAndre Ayton was incredible in game three, though. You got to give him that at the very least. He had a great game three. What he, what was it, 28 and 17? That sounds about right. I'm checking the box score right now. Yeah, 28 and 17. Yeah, great game three. Chris Paul fed him the entire first half. Chris Paul had six assists in the first quarter. Five off of Ayton. I, I, I want to talk about, like, Aiden to me, yeah, probably not a top five center. Just off the top of my head, you know, no particular order. Embiid, Jokic, Cat, Bam. That's an easy top four right there. Easy uh, easy four. Easy four. And then I, it, I take Vooch and Valentunas over him. Then I, I mean, throw Aiden. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough doing my top 100 this year. I'm just going to say that. But if he's fifth, like, if he's in the top five, he's fifth. With no exceptions. Um, Chris Paul was incredible at the end of game three. <laughs> like, he, I don't know how he's Savant, still doing it. Savant. He just, the way he gets to his spots is sublime, right? Like, just using the, um, using his pivot foot, using, you know, he doesn't do anything flashy with the ball, right? I saw Nate Jones make this point on Twitter. He doesn't do anything flashy with the ball. He's not like doing through the legs, you know. Not to pick on this guy. He's not doing like Jamal Crawford moves, right? Not to diss on those because those get you buckets, right? And Jamal Crawford is a career bucket getter. Mm-hmm. But CP is so good at this point, he can just use like his shoulders, <laughs> right? He doesn't need to use intricate dribble moves, which is crazy. And he was eating Larry Nance for lunch, right? The, <laughs> the, I, I, this has been a huge like playoffs for my Larry Nance agenda, but that game really set it back because – CP was just picking on him every single time. Just like, okay, come here. Come here, Nance's guy. We're going to set a pick. You're going to guard me, and I'm going to get to the elbow every single time. Um, 
it's just an incredible masterpiece to watch. And without Booker, right? Booker in game two had 31 in the first half. He was on pace. He was cooking. He could have had 60 that game easy. Probably would have finished with 45. He goes out. He was in there at 50. Any case, he's over 40 at the very least, right? We both agree with that. And then he goes out. And then Ingram just takes over the game, right? And I think this is a huge series for Ingram, right? Like Coming out party coming out party. I think he, JD, this series is so important for Ingram to me because it's his team, right? It's not Zion's team with Ingram healthy this year. I'm going to look at the game log. So Ingram played 55 games this year. Not a whole lot, right? When he was healthy, they were 29 and 26. They finished 36 and 46. That means they were seven and 20 without him. <laughs> yeah, they were, they was a epic fail without him. It was a difference between being the Rockets and being like, who is a 500 team, like being the Hawks, right? (laughs) So he lifted them to another level. And then CJ lifted them to another, another level where CJ has been crazy. Good. This whole like season, he's shooting 45% from three in this series. (laughs) He's, he's getting trapped with the intensity of like how Dame gets trapped. Right. Yeah. He's like, he's getting the bridges treatment. CJ's been so good. Ingram hasn't even gotten the Bridges treatment, which is startling. Like how good that shows you how good CJ has been since he's gotten to new Orleans and JD, it just makes me like new Orleans chances a lot more having two bucket getters, right. As opposed to Phoenix who who's their best bucket getter right now. Is it Bridges? Is it Aiden? Is it, it's probably Chris it, Paul, right? It, it's, it's Chris Paul. Then, Bridges. I think Aiden depends. His offense depends on much on Chris Paul. That's and not. I, that's the only reason he's not a top five center to me. And that's that's the problem, JD. And I I really so right and now defensively, he can't hold Val. When they go to Val, Val is eating him alive. And Val creating a lot of second chance points because he's just bullying Aiden down there. Yeah, Valanciunas has. Let's see how many offense I saw. Is it an absurd number? He has 21 offensive rebounds in this series. Add another two so far tonight. Through three games. <laughs> That's seven offensive rebounds a game. Um, Willie Green is an incredible head coach. I don't know how this like Willie Green was. It feels like he was just in the NBA like yesterday. And he's already like, I'm not going to say he's a top 10 coach because there's a lot of good coaches, but he's coaching his ass off this playoffs. And I think he deserves a nod as like a guy who could win a coach of the year in the pretty. So Willie Green retired in 2015, which feels, it feels shorter than that, that Willie Green was actually in the league, but JD, I feel like Willie Green, like we haven't talked about the plane at all right? The play-in games. He did a great job matching Ty Lue's small ball lineup with Larry Nance. And then in this series, he's take, I think he's picked up the right matchups. How do you feel about how Willie Green's done in this series? Incredible coach. I didn't, I couldn't believe it because I didn't like him as a player, but it's not the best players that make best coaches. It's usually the guys who can, who on the bench a lot that see everything going on. They become great coaches. I mean, just look at the, some of the guys. I mean, Steve Nash is struggling as a coach, right? Yeah. Jason Kidd wasn't a good coach his first time around. The second time around either. And then 
Ime Udoka, not a star, doing really good. Ty Lu, not a star, doing really good. Just I, I don't have the all the NBA coaches who are players out the top of mind, but just those three weren't anybody's definition of superstars, and they're all great coaches, right? All three of them. So, yeah, that's absolutely a great point. I, <laughs> I just love how good he's been. And right now, it is currently 46-48 with 2.39 left in the second. Obviously, we'll be finished with this pod. At the rate we're going, we're going to be finished at this podcast by like the time the fourth quarter hits. So maybe sooner than that. But we're not going to be... Uh, I'm the awkward transitioning awkwardly, JD. <laughs> I kind of lost my train of thought there, but it's all good. How do you see the rest of the series going? Uh... It could go back and forth, honestly. I think when Ingram realizes he's the best player in this series and CJ is arguably second, I think they could steal the series. The only problem is I don't think they gonna realize that yet. Like I, I hope think so. I think they could tell Bia that he is, but I don't think he just knows he could dominate every game in so many aspects of it. Like to be honest. They could easily hurt hurt Phoenix by noticing what um, Milwaukee did to an extent. They took Aiden out the game. Aiden fouled a lot and very quick. Ingram and Val can go at him every play. Literally every play. He can't defend them. CJ and, and Ingram are being defended by um, the tougher guys. But one thing you realize that you can do, you can isolate Aiden. They have to do that with those top three guys that they have. Then you have Herb Jones. Stop forcing him to be a shooter. Allow him to be a cutter. They... They're not a great shooting team, but they have capable shooters out there where they can allow him to be the type of guy he is. He should be in a Vanderbilt role. Not Jaden McDaniels. Jaden McDaniels can shoot in the Vanderbilt role. Her, her Jones not comfortable shooting yet. If they do those type of things, like right there, they steal this series. I think there's a real shot they steal the series too, but I'm not going to predict it. I'm going Suns and seven though. I think they push it to seven, and I think the Suns, you know, I guess veteranship. I, I, that's probably the wrong word there, but their their experience probably wins out in this series. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. Um, JD, let's move on to what I thought was going to be the most fascinating series of the playoffs, and quickly became one of the most boring. Raptors Sixers. Um, <laughs> the Sixers are up three one in the series. They beat the six. They beat the Raptors one thirty one to one eleven in game one. One twelve to ninety seven in game two. One oh four to one oh one in game three on a crazy Joel turnaround. Which he's seven feet tall. He shouldn't be able to do that. Doc and then, was blowing that. Oh, Doc was blowing that game. He was, but then he saved it with the timeout. JD, we'll talk about that later. And then Raptors beat the Sixers in game four. One ten to one oh two. JD, what's I mean, Embiid's the best player in the series. I I don't feel like we need to spend a whole lot of time on this one, but 
How have you felt about Embiid so far in this series? Um, until he messed up his thumb, he was a walking thirty ball. <laughs> like he was being triple team and still scoring whatever he put up. I thought was going in. He just was that great. And even with the thumb injury, only thing was he wasn't he wasn't being as aggressive because he felt he was getting fouled. But to be honest, when he realized he wasn't getting a foul calls, he was scoring that wheel when he chose to take the shot and not look for the foul. So, I mean, MVP. I mean, can I, can I say something, though? He feels like he's not getting calls, but he's getting to the foul line 10 times a game. I mean, what more does he want? I mean, it's a reasonable amount of times for a starting. Yeah, it is. Like, it is. It's not like he's it's not like he's Jokic, right? Where Jokic never gets foul calls. It's he's getting his fair share of foul calls. He he has no right to complain about officiating. Absolutely none. Him or Harden. They are beating them. They beating on them though. They're I mean, of course they are. It's the playoffs. What do you he expect? He's being triple team, so he he I mean, getting hit. But it's not like they're not calling fouls, JD. They're calling fouls and he's getting to the foul line. So you know, in the words of our friend Caleb Lynn, or, or sorry, our word, the words of our friend Bryce Shaddy, miss me with that. Miss me with, oh, Joel complaining about the foul. How many I mean, times he gets to the foul what line? What you expect? That's, I'm not surprised at all. He he gets to the foul line a whole lot, and he's shooting worse than I expected. I would guess, J.D., this thumb injury that he's had, I'm guessing he's been dealing with that longer than... Just a couple days now. I'm guessing that's been happening for a while, and they're just now saying, that. "Yeah." Um, the Raptors. Listen, I thought they were gonna win. It's a cute story, <laughs> but I think they Pascal convinced us in the regular season. <laughs> they, they, I mean, JD, they were great in the regular season, and they just. I'm not saying they were frauds. They're they're kind of like those old Pacers teams, right? With McMillan, where it's just like they played above their heads in the regular season. And Pascal was great in game four, right? And I think he maybe could do that again in game five. There's no way this series is going past six games. Absolutely none. They lose at five. I, I mean, I think Embiid going to come out and put his step on the game early. I would probably agree with that. I and, think, and with Thaipu coming back, I think. A lot of the miscues on defense will be cleaned up. That's true, but Thibel barely played in the first two games. Thibel yeah, only played. I, I think that was because Doc was trying to uh, get them used to playing without him. But even in those spurts, I seen him get big blocks. He was just a nuisance on defense. This is also not a Thibel series, though. Like, this isn't a series where they're they need him because he's not like. Who is he going to try to shut down, right? Pascal's too big for him. He, I mean, he's going to guard Pascal, but I think Pascal's not like a guy I'd, as, I'd associate with putting Tybal on him, right? Like, I'd associate putting Tybal on a guy like next series, right? Like, I think he's going to bother Jimmy, but I think Jimmy could still get his points because he's strong. So, this this to me just wasn't a Tybal series, so I didn't think they'd miss him. Um, let's talk about the Sixers next round, though. So right now it looks like they're going to be facing the the Heat. How are you feeling about that series for the Sixers next round? Mm. You said Philly and who? Philly and Miami. Miami. I think it goes fast. I think Miami get them out of there quick. Maybe five games. Five or six, depending on 
the foul trouble that Embiid causes because when it comes to Harden, Miami just got the defensive guys to stop him. If we see in Toronto able to bother him this way, Miami absolutely got it. I would agree. I'll give Joel six games. I'll give him six games. The only thing with that is because of the thumb. We know Miami has guys that look, Joel and Jimmy, close friends, right? Mm-hmm. They don't play as if they close friends. You think Jimmy, Bam, PJ, Lowry, when he comes back, um, Deadman, you think these guys not going to slap at their hand? Yeah. I think they going to cause more, more problems for them to where it's either, hey, you about to endure this beating or they got to play without you. And True. either way it go, I think it's not going to be good for for their team. That's true. Um, you ready to move on to Golden State, Denver? Oh, yeah, please do. These last two we're just going to breeze through because there's no point in really dwelling on them. Um, Golden State's currently leading the series three to one. It was 123-107 in game one, 126-106 in game two, 118-113 in game three. And then Denver won today, 126-121. I'm not even going to give thoughts on this series, J.D., Denver's GM needs to be like under serious consideration for the hot seat because he did not improve their guard defense at all. Right. When your big deadline splash was getting Bryn Forbes, <laughs> like Bryn Forbes is a good offensive player, right? He doesn't fit their needs. And Jokic has been put through the ringer on defense in the series. Right. We've seen it with, with Gobert too, right? Where Gobert came in. Obviously, Gobert is a better defensive player than Jokic, right? But okay. I, I don't think Jokic, Jokic, I don't think Jokic is as bad as this series is making him look, <laughs> right? Because this is a, just a hard team for him to guard, and I think that he has he's at a matchup disadvantage in this series. So you got to supplement him by getting better guard defense, right? You can't have Aaron Gordon. <laughs> Aaron Gordon can't guard everybody, right? And the Warriors just do really good at moving off the ball. I think if the Nuggets don't improve their off-ball defense or their guard defense this summer, Tim Connolly should probably be fired. Like, it's an utter disservice to Jokic (laughs) to surround him. Like, Austin Rivers is fine, right? If Austin Rivers is my fourth guard, I'm happy. And obviously, when Jamal Murray comes back, they'll get bumped down. Yeah. But they they need to bring back Gary Harris next summer. They need to like think about signing Eric Bledsoe next summer. Defensive-minded like, guards. Defensive-minded guards because they have a lot of defensive-minded forwards, right? And that's where I'd give Connolly a lot of credit. But also, they built themselves to beat the Clippers. They built themselves to beat the Lakers, and that to me is a problem. And because those both well, neither of those teams are in the playoffs this year. So, JD, am I off base with anything I just said? I think you hit it on the head. They they built a team to go against the top title contenders in their mind. Because nobody thought Golden State would be back in the picture without making any moves, and they are. And we see in that literally Golden State picked them apart. The only reason Denver won to, today was off the strength of – Draymond fouling out and Drum Poole having a bad shooting night. 
outside of that, Denver was in trouble. And Clay getting if Denver didn't have a lot of the fouls called on Golden State Warriors guys, some I think one deserving, some I think was nothing. They don't win. Clay was killing them. If it wasn't for the fouls coming early for Clay, I think Golden State would have lit them up for a while, especially when Steph got hot. Because we had a good game. And this is probably Steph's worst game of the playoffs so far. He is coming off a major injury, and he is coming off the bench, which is wild to say about Steph Curry. Had um, 33 tonight. 33, but 3 of 11 from 3 and 10 of 14 from the foul line. He's not going to miss four free throws ever lot. again. Yeah, exactly. This series is ending in five. Um, there's just there's absolutely no way it doesn't end in five. And I think Jokic, I think if Jokic wins MVP this year, a lot of people are going to hate on it. But it's a regular season award, right? He did a lot of great stuff in the regular season. And he's absolutely destroying the Warriors right now. It's not like he sucks. (laughs) He is playing absolutely great basketball right now. And I feel like a lot of people are going to be like, oh, he lost in five games in the first round. No, he's been playing great. He played great today. And I feel like he, all the Jokic slander is unwarranted. Any other Warriors Nuggets thoughts, Shady? No. All right. This one we probably don't have to spend a whole lot of time on either. So we got... Hawks Heat and I've saved this team for last because say this one for last because they were playing when we started and obviously the game was decided right when we started recording um, the series so far it's been 115 to 91 Heat's way the first game 115-105 Heat second game 111-110 on a last second Trey floater in game 3 and then 110-86 tonight JD, the Hawks don't have the horses that hang with the Heat, and I think it's a five-game series. What do you think? I agree. They offense is too heavily dependent on Trey. When Trey has played off the ball this series, he's looked good, but he hasn't always been able to get the ball when he dump when he's playing off the ball. Uh, Bogdanovich catch a fire right on time has allowed them to compete in games, but they just simply don't have enough. And when Bogdanovich doesn't make shots, they can't win. And Bogdanovich was trash tonight. He was one of six tonight. Trey was only three of 11. So they wasted a good DeAndre Hunter game. DeAndre yeah, Hunter, he started out on fire. He's been really good this whole series. Like he's been really good this whole postseason. So shout out to him. Jimmy has been electric in this series. He's had a couple of huge games, um, 45 in game two, 36 tonight. And yeah, Jimmy's just been the best player in this series. Trey hasn't been. So I think that's really the difference in this series. Um, do we both agree heat and five? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He, he got the smoke. Yeah. Especially going back to Miami. Yeah, just the positive momentum. I mean, listen, Trey isn't afraid of the moment, but just because you're not afraid of the moment doesn't. I will say the Heat should be concerned about Kyle Lowry. Um, Oh, for sure. With his hamstring injury, he's super important to them. He's not going to make much of a difference in this series, but against the Sixers, they're going to need him, right? He Actually, no. 
he would okay. be great versus them to have. But the reason I say no is for this reason alone. Philly give up too many threes. True. If Philly didn't give up that many threes, I say yeah, because they go need somebody who could just create looks for others. But because Philly give up so many threes, I think Strews gave Vincent Duncan Robinson hero. They they'll be able to make make shots. Yeah, and I think we're gonna see. It's gonna be a <laughs> second round is gonna be really fun in the East this year and in the West too. If it's all chalk, right? Like if it's one, two, three, four in both conferences. Yeah. So JD, I think we've touched on all the series. We did a great job. I think we did a good job of keeping this pretty short. Um, what do we got coming out on facts and stats? Uh, excuse me. You know, with the teacher gig, I, I've been getting a lot of ideas situated. Uh, a short film I was in just came out today, actually. I've been still pretty occupied with doing a lot, so I haven't set a time to release nothing yet, but you know, I got a couple in the vault, so I think I'm going to just release one tomorrow. Um, The last one um, you sent back to me just so people can remember, like, yeah, I'm still bringing bringing heat out. Of course. JD just, he's allowing me to reintroduce myself. My name is Jay. Jay. Yeah, man, you know. (laughs) <laughs> it's not but heat over here, Jimmy Butler way. Hey, that's that's what's up. Um, make sure you check out Linsanity. Uh, they're going to be following the NBA playoffs along. Then they're going to be providing their awesome insights into that. So make sure you don't miss that. And Caleb, sure- Caleb is awesome, but um, Bryce, Bryce needs help. He sucks. I, I mean, listen, you said it, not me. I think Bryce is great. Um, no, Bryce sucks. Bryce, listen, you're entitled to your opinions, but make sure you check out Lynn Sanity and Circle City Cinema was back this week. Um, Zach was joined by Bryce and his friend Cooper Ogle, and they discussed the Batman. So make sure you check that out. JD, this is a this is a great episode. Thank you once again for joining me. Oh, for, for sure, brother. And thank you all so much for listening.